0: Please.
1: welcome back to the next part of this truth and rhythm episode be sure to subscribe to this channel if you've already done so please share it with friends also become a member by joining truth and rhythm on patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net thank you so much for your interest and support enjoy do you feel that uh, the counts you know were overlooked to some extent and
0: uh, yeah, a lot of it was our fault. We didn't have proper management at the time because, uh, when I go back and look at it and I think about it all the time, uh, the parla- parliament, parliament, Ohio players, and we were all on the same level. Uh, then parliament went to, uh, Warner brothers, uh, uh, Ohio players went to Mercury, I think it was. And, uh, we came down here to Atlanta and, um, uh, that was that's why I say it was a mistake leaving uh, uh, Westbound. We should have stayed at Westbound, you know, instead of coming somewhere where people didn't know they, you know, first of all, they want to put a bass player with us and change our whole sound, and um, you know, that that was the mistake.
1: Mm-hmm. But I mean, all those bands did leave Westbound. Funk Funkadelic left, you know, so
0: and and all of them elevated except for us, and we were just as good. But we didn't have the right management and things like that, you know. So it is what it is. <laughs>
1: what was it also a bit of maybe just really wanting to stick to what you had been doing and not wanting to like, you know, sell out, so to speak, to get a hit?
0: Uh I think I think that might have a little bit to do with it. Uh for instance, uh when we when we came to Atlanta, disco was really in. And uh, that gets back to the Mr. Penguin thing. That's what we should have done with the counts is just, you know, played some disco and and put our thing on the disco thing. And uh, I blame myself on that because, like I say, I had a lot to do with what it sounded like. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I can I can say that you got a point there. We tried to sound like ourselves and not really put the ear on what was going on, which you definitely have to do that.
1: But it's a double-edged sword, I think, because, you know, now in hindsight, looking back, those who really appreciate the counts, I think probably appreciate them that much more because your body of work was more um, authentic in kind of a way, you know, that you really stuck to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, we could have done both, like we did with with Lunar Flump, with Mr. Penguin. You know, but I mean, hey, that's life. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh,
1: and so, what inspired you, and what went into putting your uh, solo record out?
0: Uh the counts had broke up, uh, and uh, uh, I just needed to put out something different. Um, um, it, uh, it it was it was pretty decent. I, I've done two solo albums since, though, that are a lot better than that. You know. Uh, but but at the time, it, it was okay. Um, but I just, just needed to record something, something different. Mm-hmm.
1: So were you thinking, uh, how can I make this different from the counts at the time?
0: Not really, not really, because at the time, well, you know, we put out uh, um, what's up front the counts. And, uh, you know, I wrote uh, 90% of that. All those songs were mine. I wrote them all except for one. Uh, which was uh, Leroy's. Uh, Why not start all over again? So a couple of the members of the band say that uh, you know we should uh, just uh, you know that whole thing that all bands go through where everybody needs to write or whatever. And so then we did Love Sign, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't what the counts were about. I felt, and so that was the beginning of the end, basically. So I just I said, well, man, let me write my own thing where I can do what I want to do, and. And uh Leroy did something that he wrote a Kunta kuntakente song or something. So we just kind of splintered.
1: hmm But you still you're still on good terms, though, with everybody when that happened?
0: Right. Leroy, Leroy was just here. Um uh he did some recordings. I'm do- I'm putting out a new CD. Uh he was down uh recording on that. Uh that was um uh, Probably, let me see. Around July, then he was just here. I did a a concert in Macon, and I called him to do that with me. So we're still friends. Andrew, yeah. the we're friends too. He wrote a song that's going to be on my uh, recording, also. Oh,
1: that's great! Yeah. Um, you know, great <laughs> that you guys are still going and that you're still, you know, uh friends, and that's outstanding. Oh, uh, yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna plug whatever you have going before I let you go for sure. Uh-huh. Um, yeah but uh before that let's talk a little bit about Bohannon. so um man you uh what was it like at least 15 records I saw you did with that man right yeah
0: okay <clears throat> what happened there uh when the when the group splintered off um we were going through a, a terrible economic time at the time I, we were down here with this record company in Atlanta and uh meals were scarce to put it bluntly and uh bohannon we we had started recording with bohannon doing uh, we did stop and go leroy and myself um so we were on that first uh um record that he put out that was a hit and then after that everything he did he used us so then uh leroy started touring with him i still stayed here but after a while, you know, I joined, too, just to make ends meet. And and that just continued up until Bohannon passed.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you replace somebody, or, or did you just fill a, a vacancy?
0: Well, like I said, uh, I played keys on the, everything that he had done. So, basically, the the original keyboard player started playing with him, you know. Okay, yeah. And we had uh, Rod Lumpkin also played. He played keys. Great player. And uh, so you had two keyboard players, you had two guitar players, Leroy and Rick Rouse. Rick Rouse played with Shaka uh, Khan and Funkadelic, and you know great guitar players. So he he put together, he, Bo was smart, you know, he put together a great band.
1: Yeah, and the guitars were wicked on, on those tracks.
0: Anderson, <laughs> Ray Parker, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What can you tell the folks uh, most about? um, Bohannon as a uh, as a talent musician and just uh, kind of his personality quirks.
0: <laughs> um, great businessman, great businessman. Uh, knew what was selling. Getting back to that, that's always the key. You got to know what's what's happening out there. He knew what was happening. He knew how to put it together. Uh, uh, that was his main thing. He had many quirks. Many courts. Uh but all in all he was a great guy. Very fair and respectful guy. Uh, but you had to know him. You really had to know both. If you didn't know him, you you, you might cock your head a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think I remember Leroy saying how uh he was a little standoffish until he found out that they shared like Atlanta in common. You know, uh-huh. and then it just broke the ice.
0: Uh-huh. Well, with me, uh Bo would come to the club we were playing at, I was telling you about earlier, about the superstition story and all that. So Bo would come in in his black leather jacket and his his black everything, and he, he'd sit back and listen and everything, never said nothing, you know. I was say, what is up with this guy? You know, but he talked to Leroy, but he never said anything to me, you know. And then later on, after I got to know Bo, better he said yeah man i used to come and y'all were the tightest band in in detroit i'd tell everybody that and blah blah but you know thinking back i was thinking this guy doesn't even speak you know what, what's up but that's just both you know that's how he was until he got to know me so i never know he was thinking that i used to think he's just coming there to see leroy <laughs> And then when he brought Stevie in, you know, I didn't know, but he had been telling Stevie, you gotta hear this man, you gotta hear this man, you know. Uh, but you uh, never know that from the outside.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to hear that, knowing you know that he was basically a band leader, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. and um uh he uh he was he he, he, he he was a fair man, he was fair i put it that way. He he treated us well. He treated us better than most band leaders treated their bands back then. You know, uh, most bands, uh, band leaders would fly from one uh, place to the next with both we all flew. you know, we all stayed in five-star hotels. So, yeah, I guess, you know, he bought uh, cars for a lot of people in his band. You know, good guy. Good guy. Fair. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I always uh, looked at him, and I think I said this before, but being sort of a James Brown kind of thing, you know, and that he had that groove that was so identifiable, and yeah. just you know that style, um, and just put out so many records of it, and the band was tight, you know.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good uh, point to make, and yeah, uh, you, you could tie them together like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, James had his little. Idiosyncrasies, you know. So I guess that's what great uh, musicians have. All of them. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it's comes with the territory if you're uh, what they call it, a creative genius, right? Yes. Or yes. or uh, yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, how did you uh, temper your keyboard style in the Bohannon, uh, you know, uh, sound versus the Count's sound?
0: Oh, it's pretty much the same thing Uh, rhythmically. uh, The only difference is there was a bass player. That's the only difference. So I played, by this time, I learned to play with a bass player. So, you know, pretty much for me, it was still the same. I could still do my thing, but I wasn't playing the bass. I wasn't playing the bottom. That's the only difference.
1: Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what about on the live shows? Did you get any, uh, spotlight or just kind of in the background?
0: Kind yeah, of in the background, you know, it was mainly, we were just, uh, uh Ray Parker was on the show. Uh, uh, it was about 10 musicians on stage. So we, we played the songs. It's funny because there was no bass player. So I had to play bass on the show. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> on the last show that we did, I, I played bass on it,
1: like old times,
0: like old times.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you remember uh, maybe the first time or early on when you first heard yourself on the radio on the track? You know how yeah. that how that felt.
0: That felt great. Felt great. I heard Jan Jan. I uh, was at home and uh, uh, Ernie Durham, uh, a broadcaster, really popular broadcaster in detroit broke the record and he played all the time and he'd be talking while it was going on this instrumental so he talked oh yeah listen to that play it boy you know all that kind of stuff as the song was going and he played at least once an hour at least Uh and it got to be very popular i think he broke that record and it was quite a good feeling and um, it went on from there. The Counts got pretty popular after that. But it, it was a great feeling. There's nothing like that. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: And do you, were you still a teenager then, or were you already in your
0: 20s? Uh, let's see. Uh, I was 20. Mm-hmm. 20. So I got gotten married. Jan Jan, that was my wife. And I wrote that for her. And uh, I I know I was married at 20, and that's when it came out.
1: Mm -hmm. Getting back to Bohannon, uh, one thing about his music I always felt was you know, it got categorized a lot of his disco, but there was a funky, you know, subtext in so much of that music. Um, even if it was more up tempo,
0: um, yeah, well, you know, like uh. Song for my mother that was on that first album that was kind of like gospel like, you know, it 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 had a little funk in there, but you could you could almost say it had gospel overtones. And a little later on, Mary J. Blige sampled that song, um, and a uh, uh, lot of it, a lot of his songs uh, like South African Man that had a reggae thing going on. So you know, it was more than disco. Mm-hmm. His big hits, "Let's Start to Dance" and uh, uh, with Music. Yeah, those were disco, but it was a lot more stuff going on on each album.
1: And, and I'm I'm guessing that you know, in the live context, you know, a lot of the disco acts of that era couldn't bring it on stage necessarily, but yeah. Bohan and you guys, you brought it.
0: Yes. Yeah. Because all of us were players. You know, we all played our instruments. There's no messing around. We all were great players. Do
1: you remember any uh, TV experiences?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, we did Soul Train with Bo Handen. Um That was the, the main one that I remember with him. Uh, the Counts was like all of your uh, local TV shows in Detroit. Yeah. So... Answering that, not really. We didn't do too much. You know, it was really before the 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 uh, visual aspect of the music industry really got popular. Mm-hmm. You know, when you put out something, you got to have video with it. Back then, you know, it was all radio. Yeah, when we were doing our thing.
1: Do you remember a particular uh, show or tour with Bohannon <laughs> that just really stands out from back in the day?
0: Yeah, when we did Madison Square Garden, that, that you know, that one I remember, because once again, I'm a, I'm a sports junkie. So playing in Madison Square Garden where Ali fought Frazier and the Knicks played Clyde Frazier. I remember that. Yeah. And then I remember playing uh, in the Forum in L.A. Yeah. Those come, you know, the music part uh, was all kind of the same. But the locations tripped me out a lot of time. Mm
1: -hmm. Was there anybody that you encountered that uh, maybe was on the same tour or a concert, Bill, that uh, you were like, wow, these guys are really good? They really have it together.
0: Central Station. Larry Graham. Yes. Yes, Larry Graham. Uh other than that, uh, when we did uh when the counts went out with uh the funkadelics on that tour, uh Bootsy, you know, I really like Bootsy. I liked how uh he wasn't a star then, he was just playing with uh with the Funkadelics and he had played with James, but I saw the 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 it was he had something, you know. He had something that gravitated you to it, and uh, it was the joy of what he was doing. And uh, I, I just remember being inspired by that, and 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 making a note to always let people know you're enjoying what you're doing, you know, because that was booty all the way. Yeah, um,
1: that that uh, joy is infectious. <laughs> you know, people pick up on that.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, uh huh. It's uh,
1: interesting that you mentioned two bass players, though, since you didn't have a bass player in the counts, but uh, Bootsy and, and Graham. No, no. Did, did you ever see Larry Graham with Sly?
0: Oh, no, no, I didn't. Uh, yes. <laughs> what am I talking about? That was one of the shows that I'll never forget. We saw Sly in Detroit. Um uh, he he played and like we got there, uh Leroy was with me and uh, our wives, and we were sitting there waiting. So Sly was late. So we had to wait around for a while. To, the the instruments were on stage, so we knew he was gonna be there. So uh uh and like uh Larry Graham really uh influenced how I played the bottom of the organ. You know, I, I tried to emulate what Larry was doing. So you're right, even though we didn't have a bass player. I listened to the great bass players and, and learned from them. And then, like Jimmy Smith, you know, he played the bass, so I learned from him. So, yeah, I, I listened to those guys. So, anyway, uh, Sly finally got there. And, uh, well, he finally came on stage, and it was a great show. And, uh, uh, of course, Larry Graham was killing it. And I had a crush on Rose Stone, Sly's sister. Oh, yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah. Wow. Great. um,
1: Yeah, I can only imagine. uh, I never got. Well, actually, I did see Sly perform on a TV taping in the early 70s, but I never Uh, saw a full concert, though. uh,
0: Uh, Graham, I
1: did get to see at the forum.
0: The thing about Sly that I didn't realize until later on, he's a great organ player. Great organ player. But I never really listened to what he was doing back in the day because I was so pure into Jimmy Smith and all those guys. But Sly was a great organ player. Oh, great. Yes. Singer out of this world. Mm-hmm. All that group could sing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sly was a multi-instrumentalist. I mean, people not like, think of him.
0: His brother, Freddie, great guitar player. Uh, Cynthia, great trumpet player. Oh, that was a great group. That's my favorite all time group still to this day. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Doing.
1: <laughs> so, what was the last thing you did with Bohannon?
0: The last thing I did was that show that I had to play bass because we had no bass player. Uh, he had he had done some recordings out of his house, uh, but they never went anywhere. I did those recordings with him. So uh we did a lot of recordings that you probably won't hear. And uh but the last last show he did uh we talked about. It.
1: And what year about was
0: that? Uh I put that maybe uh, let's see, this is uh twenty three. I would say that was 21. Mm-hmm. 21. Early
1: 21. How do you feel oh. that? How, how do you feel that uh, Bohanna's legacy is being, you know, honored or recognized?
0: I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say on that. I don't, I don't think he's recognized for what he did.
1: And you know, people will see and hear this. So what do you think he should be recognized for? Uh the the
0: the the way he did disco, you know, the way he did his music, because like we were discussing, he did more than just disco. He did other things that were very creative and sounded good. Um he didn't get credit for it, you know, or he wasn't recognized for it. Pretty blankly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, even when he had some really big uh hits in the latter seventies, I I don't know why, but uh he didn't seem to get quite the same recognition as some others, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that goes to uh record companies putting it behind who they want to put it behind. You can take that and we go back to the counts on that, you know. Cause a lot of people said I read things on us to this day and they say I don't understand why those guys didn't make it. Simple. We didn't get the, uh, 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 what is it, the promotion, what have you. We didn't get it. You right. know, gave it to somebody else. So,
1: But did yeah. you ever think that 50 <laughs> years later you'd be talking to somebody like me about that legacy?
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but I'm glad. <laughs> I'm once again it it, it brings up of the fact that you're not forgotten people still care about you you know and uh it's it's a pleasure
1: yeah i mean i think that music uh has aged really well you know i mean it's its uniqueness has only uh gained in stature if anything since yeah. then right you know
0: i agree i agree and uh it goes to, uh, I use this argument a lot of times uh, with uh, younger musicians when I'm trying to explain something to them. And they'll say, yeah, but but, but that stuff y'all were doing is old. I said, well, Queen Latifah sampled what's up front that count, She sampled that lick on what's up front that so I'm still getting paid. I get paid every three months for that snoop. Snoop Dogg sampled uh, uh, my song on "What's Up Front." The council. It was called "Pack of Lies." I uh, get paid for that every three months. You know, uh, uh, I'm getting a lot of a lot of people sample the stuff. A lot of people sample Bohemian stuff. You know, so that lets you know that your stuff is still happening. You know, and the paycheck, the little check I get that says, "Okay, you did something in life, buddy." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
1: And, and also, uh, a lot of times if they get a record order or something like that, you might get that too,
0: right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but uh, yeah, but uh, uh, Dr. Dre, that was the first guy that that just straight out paid us. You know, where well, he paid me for what he used uh, on uh, "Who Am I?" What's my name? He used what I did on uh, Pack Blaz on the counts. And uh, then we had to remind Queen Latifah that she sampled us on what's up front. We had to remind a few folks, but we got We got paid. <laughs> yeah. How
1: would how'd you feel when you first heard somebody sample something that you were involved with?
0: I was honored. I was honored. Yeah. And the way it happened, uh, my oldest daughter, Monica, she said, Daddy, somebody's using your music. And uh, I said, what? What are you talking about? And uh, then she played Queen Latifah, and the lick came on uh, from uh, what's her front of the council. said, wow, you know. And and then uh, a little late after that, Dr. Dre sampled us. You know, I heard that one straight out. Uh huh. But it's, it's it's an honor that lets you know that you did do something in life.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, sampling especially seems like a definite progression or out- outgrowth of keys of keyboards you know it's so tied into that so, yeah in a way it's kind of a continuing evolution of what you started with in that
0: well people always say music is circular everything comes back you know you know like jazz is coming back you hear jazz and, and uh, funk and pop music now you know so everything is circular uh, uh stevie used uh was dizzy gillespie and uh uh one of those so sir
1: do, do yeah do
0: Do i do yeah yeah do yeah. i do yeah. yeah so everything is circular
1: hmm.
0: nothing's original everything comes back
1: what uh what did you uh get really busy with once um you know bohannon wasn't you know a major thing and uh what have you been really doing other than what we've talked about the past uh 20 years
0: Oh, okay. Well, all of a sudden, uh, I had a love affair with Atlanta and, uh, Atlanta has kept me more busy than I've ever been in my life. Um, I've done two solo albums since then that are pretty good. Uh, did one entitled Sunshine. Uh, I followed that one with, uh, let the music take you. So those are the, the CDs that I have out now. And, uh, I work about nine days a week. You know, so um, I stay pretty busy. You know, like we it it took us forever to contact each other because I'm always busy, always. Uh, yeah. Rex, Rex, Rex that uh, turned you on to me, yeah. Uh, uh, Rex had been trying to get me uh, about his cold funk jam. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a recording with him on that. It took him forever to reach me. You know, so yeah, I'm gonna hook up with him and do some work. And, uh, just, just busy, blessed working church. And, uh, I did a, uh, church album with my church, Providence Baptist Church. Uh, just busy, busy. I am, I'm, I'm a blessed guy. Can't That's complain.
1: fantastic. Uh, what, uh, you know, sorry to say, I haven't heard your, uh, later solo albums. Uh, uh-huh. what, what style mostly is on those? Um, uh-huh.
0: Sunshine, you can hear the counts basically. Um uh Leroy played guitar with me on it. I, I've got a great two great horn uh Jimmy Brown and played with Brick. He's playing on there. Um uh, uh great, great musicians all around, Marcus uh, Williams on drums and I can go on and on. And uh, but that stuff has got the early counts, uh, what's up front, the counts vibe to it. Uh, the second album, I uh, did some, it was a couple of uh, vocals on it. Uh, Let the music take you. it. It was okay. I I preferred Sunshine. That that was a better CD. The one I'm working on now is is a reflection of what we're talking about. The OG of the groove. That's what I call it. You know, and it's it's uh, it's stating now how you know I've been around playing the grooves forever. Right. I can't wait to finish this. One.
1: When do you think that one might be ready?
0: Uh, I will, I will give that two months. Yeah, uh, you've heard of Sonny Emery, right? The drummer. Mm-hmm. Sonny is on that project. Yeah, he's doing drums on on it. and I uh, recorded a couple of things at his studio, and and uh, he likes it. So I'm impressed by that. he'll yeah, say, okay, if Sonny likes this, it's pretty good, you know. And uh, the Sunshine album, uh, uh, Frankie Beverly. Uh, invested on, in that, you know, and he believed in it wholeheartedly. He, he even shopped it for a deal for me. But once again, we're getting into the record labels and that. So I, I ended up putting it out myself.
1: How many years ago was your previous record?
0: The previous, I'd say about uh, four years, four years <laughs> ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me take you. But you can you you can get those on uh, Amazon and you can, all all the uh, outlets, the CD, where you order them, they're all, you can get them from there. Mm-hmm. Sunshine and let the music take you.
1: Okay. And um, do you have a, a, a website or someplace people can uh, reach out or keep track of what's going on with you?
0: Yeah, it's molesdavis.net. I got to do a little update knowing it, you know, but uh, you you know. But since we've done this, yeah, I'll make sure that they can, Mose davis.net. or you can uh, uh, Facebook, of course, you know. So there are ways.
1: <laughs> Track you down, yeah. I uh, can be down. So when you look back at, at everything, Mos, what would you say you're most proud of accomplishing in your music career?
0: The counts. Mm-hmm. No doubt.
1: <laughs> and just because of the creativity or uh what aspect do you think?
0: Um, the creativity, the musicians, we were all high school buddies, and to be high school buddies and become somewhat stars is it's unmatchable, you know. Like in sports, if if you got guys to grow up together, like I was reading LeBron's book, and uh, and uh, he was talking about uh, his high school team, how they grew up together and and went to school together and won the state championship, and that's one of his proudest moments. Well, the Counts is mine. Uh, to have uh, we it was three friends, uh, three high school friends, and we said we're going to call ourselves the Counts and. We split up, and you know, as we grew older, and then I took the name and put it to a band, and the band got popular as my biggest thrill. And hearing hearing Jan Jan on the radio, yeah. Uh
1: What was was the name that counts? uh, Intended to be sort of a double entendre, in that it was kind of like the royalty aspect and also the counting of music.
0: Oh, the royalty, gentlemen. You know, just. Gentlemen playing music, yeah.
1: Because it works the other way, too, counting music, you know?
0: Uh yeah, yeah, well, you know, that gets into another thing with me. My creativity, well, for Jan Jan, I was, at the time, I was in Detroit, and I was working in a factory, and uh, I was listening to this stamping press, and the stamping press was pressing out metal and rhythm, and I listened to that rhythm and got Jan Jan off of it. That rhythm that that stamping press was stamping out that rhythm and i took you know if you got your mind into the music uh and you keep your mind open and your ears and that's how you get stuff you know or you listen to what people are saying as far as songwriters and That's how you get stuff. You always got to be open to what's going on.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. I was going to ask you if you had any advice to young keyboard players. Anything Uh, else besides that?
0: Yeah, that's it. And uh, uh, theory, uh, get get a book on theory. Learn your chords and your scales and uh, practice and learn to use your ears. If you hear something, try and play it. If you hear something on the radio you like, try and play it. You know, why, why can't I play this? And, and just keep keep going at it until you can get it. You know, keep those ears open.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a lot easier today and that you can just, you know, watch videos on YouTube or whatever and try to copy those compared to listening to the vinyl records and keep, you know?
0: Oh, it's much easier because even now when I have to learn a song, if, you know, something difficult, I can just... Uh, Put it on CD, slip it into a guitar trainer and just let the trainer repeat and learn it, you know, or or you have keyboards that record you where you can just keep going over something until you get it right. So it's much easier these days. Yes. Still got to put work into it, but it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, it may be easier, but some way young players need to find their own signature elements to put on top of it
0: yeah yeah instead of trying to sample something you know and all of that because you get in a lot of these guys now are sampling and uh not really playing anything they're and they're getting hit so you know yeah they'll look at me like who are you to tell me what to do (laughs) you know but uh uh, I, I feel that uh, you you do need to train and practice and theory, you know, at least learn music theory. Yeah. Learning what's a minor key, what's a major, and and uh, how to harmonize and all that. That's theory. Mm-hmm. And what's wrong if you do something that, that's not right, like when you try to put a major or uh, something on a minor, you know, if you don't have theory, that's not right then you go to a record company or something They say hey this doesn't sound right it's because you haven't practiced your theory Mm -hmm. see and if you're sampled the theory is in the sampling
1: are there any sessions or um incidents or things like that that uh, took place that we didn't cover
0: well one in a bow session uh uh Bo Hannon and I laugh about this to this day. He uh it was on the uh, first Bo Hannon album. Uh there was this song that had a gong in it. And the guy wouldn't play the gong right and, and Bo had a temper tantrum and went over and hit the gong to show him how to to play the gong right and he hammered on the gong and it it was so funny. And uh, you know, uh, Bo and I laughed. But we, uh, we always laughed about that. You know, always. It was so funny. And this was because he was so intense in the studio. You know, so, you know, uh, uh, engineers and whatever say, this guy's crazy, but he was just intense. Mm-hmm. He didn't mean anything. He just wanted his music correct. Uh, with us, uh, the Counts, uh, just the joy of being in the studio, you know, and recording. It was, yeah, you know, it was great.
1: Did Bohannon give you any specific directions related to your parts, or you just kind of do it on your own?
0: He would he would uh, hum what he wanted me to do uh, or give me an idea of what he wanted, but basically he would sing something to me, and then I'd have to put it to music. Mm-hmm. That's how he did all the guys, really, kind of hum their parts. Then then we'd take what he hummed and put it to music.
1: Mm. The um, aspect is also similar to James Brown.
0: Exactly, exactly, yeah
1: Yeah, wow
0: Yeah, James, James had a little organ skill, though. you know, he could play the organ a little taste, you know <laughs> Yeah, that was my man, I like James Yeah
1: uh, I'm, I'm guessing you saw him at some point play, right?
0: Yeah, I saw him live Leroy and I saw James live and uh, quite impressed the two drummers uh, uh, the fact that he was the star of the show, but the first thing he saw at a James Brown show was him walking out. James walked out at the start of his show, you know, and uh, he'd do a tune then he'd go back and have other people come on and do something. But basically, it was his show from start to finish. That was impressive. Usually, you know, you'd see a warm-up act then another warm-up act and then finally the star. But James popped right out there. And I, I found that uh, refreshing. <laughs>
1: Um, so you saw him at the height, it sounds like.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 The cold sweat days, uh, all of that, all Uh, those, when he was really hot, he had Maceo with him. I got to meet Maceo. That was a, that was an honor. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. Another guy that ended up playing with Bootsy later on.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Well, uh, uh, Maceo was on a, a, Bohannon session and, uh, he got to meet me, you know, he liked the Oregon and I was playing Oregon at that time. And he uh he actually wanted me to come and play with him. You know, and that was that was an honor. The counts were still going at the time, so I, I really couldn't, but it was an honor for him to ask me to to come out and play with him.
1: That was when he had left James Brown, he was doing like Macy on the Max or something like that? He,
0: left, he had left James at the time. He was starting his own thing.
1: Mm. Mm outstanding
0: yeah. yes sir
1: well i think we, we covered it all then sounds like right
0: uh, yes seems like
1: okay <laughs> fantastic Mose, well, i so appreciate it and uh you know thank you for all the music through the years on behalf of all the viewers and listeners you know bringing that joy to us uh, we are indebted so thank you
0: well thank you for having me it's been a joy
1: i hope you enjoyed this episode of truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest, as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at FunkinStuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the funkin stuff channel on youtube and sharing it with funk r&b and jazz lovers, joining truth and rhythms membership program at patreon, submitting a donation at funkinstuff.net, buying everything is on the one the first guide to funk book at amazon, shopping at the funky things store for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net, and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your amazon purchases. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GXGolfine saying, keep on keep on vibing to the rhythm of the one.